my favorite tweet of the week this week, analyst Joe Lardy. He is uh, an analyst with CHS, and he says in a normal year, he can count the number of unknown factors driving commodity prices on one hand. <laughs> he says, this is not a normal year. Boy, how true is that? So many things are on that list that we can't cover them all in the time we have, but we will take a stab at a few of them coming up with Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And I got to tell you, Congress is right in the thick of it over the next farm bill. And the Farm Bureau is sending their best and brightest to all the congressional hearings to tell the story of farming. So for me, a Farm Bureau membership is really a big deal and a no-brainer. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Well, you know, it's been said this past week that weather could be a game changer for this year's U.S. corn and soybean crops. Probably more so for corn than soybeans, as John Cavanaugh never fails to remind us of. And I suspect, David, to an extent, weather over the next 10 days probably also going to be critical to corn yields. David, you've been tracking weather and pollination closely. What do you expect the weather impact to be, not only long term, but maybe even more immediately in Monday's weekly crop condition report? Yeah, I'm going to look at that really closely because Indiana's number pretty low on their crop condition. Ohio has seen some gains after a very, very poor start, and I'm expecting to see Indiana try and catch up. I'm also going to focus very, very closely on the Western Corn Belt because that's ground zero right now. And with the weather forecast going forward, this is not your typical drought. This is not a situation where you have dry situations that last for weeks, no rain at all. The thing is, we continue to get these high temperatures for a day. Then we're cooler for a day, day and a half with rain, and then it gets hot again, and then it gets cooler with a day, day and a half with rain. But my point is, this is not your typical drought. It's the heat that's the big concern right now. And as you look to the Western Corn Belt, it's a big, big concern for them. I'm seeing an awful lot of twit tip back in parts of Illinois. I know central and southeastern Illinois got all the rain, but the rest of the state didn't get so much. I'm seeing a lot of tip back in Iowa, Nebraska, fields in Kansas where the corn didn't even fire. It just a completely ear full of nothing in it. So I'm guessing that this weather is going to continue to be all back this cycle again, all over again. Hot and then cooler, hot and then cooler for the rest of the month, even into September. But I see no extended heat in the forecast at this point. Maybe you don't, but others do. <laughs> in this part of the country, we really, for the most part, especially Indiana and most of Illinois, that really almost ideal weather. However, the western edge of the belt, David, that's where the problems are. That's where the forecasts are coming from for extended hot and dry for the balance of August. Now, whether that happens or not, we're going to have to find out. But you're talking about the western edge of Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska, and the Dakotas. That's primarily, at least for the Grain Belt, where those problems are. And the forecast in that part of the country is for extended hot and dry. You know, it was the other week we were sitting there talking about, oh, the weather forecast is calling for temps of 114 to 15 degrees. Did it happen? I think someplace that I ever got to 100, and that was about it. John, analysts have been publishing their estimates this week. Everybody's trying to look into their crystal ball and figure out how this is going to affect crop yields and production. USDA's August crop report coming out next Friday. One of the questions is, will USDA trim yield estimates for corn and soybean crops? 
Oh, yes, there is concern about that. And by the way, that survey uh, began on Monday. Uh, it's a little bit premature. They might cut it, but if they do, it won't be by very much. But the big thing coming up, too, is not just that, but they're doing a resurvey of acres. And that's for parts of Iowa, Minnesota, and North and South Dakota. And that's for soybeans. So I think we got to keep an eye on that one. The market in general has expected possibly an increase in soybean acres. Well, we'll see. But if it does, that's going to be bearish. You know, one of the analytical firms came out this week and uh, they were contemplating maybe a 175 bushel to the acre yield for the corn crop and then would be you know based on these hot and dry conditions and the extended forecast actually calls for some hotter and drier conditions here in the eastern corn belt for about the next 10 days after we pass this next tuesday when we expect to get some rain here for the first part of the week but how you feeling about the yield? Well, I'm still sticking with my 171 number. And I know John brings it up to me and says, how could you be that low? I says, well, I, I might be a little bit high in this. And you have to realize that there's areas that have been suffering from weather problems. Yes, the whole belt has, but it's not consistent across the whole belt. It's been one of these summers where you, every time you turn the weather wheel of the weather, it comes up with a different <laughs> forecast. No how times, it's really hard to get consistent. And again, I have to come back to this. It was on Twitter this week, too. People are saying, folks, you're going to have to wait till this fall when the combines roll. When you have a really good crop, you know the yields. You know how good they are. But when you got this piecemeal, hot, dry everywhere and then cool and wet, it's hard to get an idea of the yields and really lock it in until you actually harvest and see what's happening. I can't argue with the last part, but when you're 171 yield, David, crying out loud, that's six bushels below trend. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue where you're coming up with that number. I'm a little bit off that 176, 177 a year. I think maybe it's more like 175, 176 now at this point. And remember, the corn crop is mostly made. The soybeans to be made. That's the next few weeks are crucial for the soybeans, but for corn, we're pretty much done. The corn's pollinated. The weather's been mostly good in most of the belt. We've had some problems out of the western part of the belt, but let's take Indiana. Okay, first of all, Stodex came out this week with a 176 guess on the corn. Indiana, they're guessing at uh, 189 and uh, 59 on soybeans. Fort Wayne, July precipitation was over six inches, more than twice normal. That generally yield trend are better yields. And you're sitting there talking, trying to talk 171 for the whole U.S. We know Illinois is mostly good. I've got some sources in Iowa that think that Iowa could possibly set a new record. Now, they still have to have some follow-through, good weather over the next couple of weeks to do that. But how could you come up with a 171 yield with conditions like that being so good? The only state out there that are having some real problems but look at this. I've stayed with 171, John. You used to be 177. No, no, I think it's 176. Then you said 175 and a half, 175. Look, folks, he's coming down to 171. I'm not going up. <laughs> but I would like to say that if we do come out 172, 173, that is a bullish number. But, John, with regard to what you're saying, we still haven't seen what that final acreage number is, which could make a big difference in what that final production number is. But I'm hearing, well, you know, there was some of this corn crop that got planted late so it's just now beginning to get into the pollination phase so it's not necessarily completely pollinated all across the belt there's still a little bit left it's a little bit though oh okay you keep telling us that let's go to soybeans i think we've made the point strongly on this program that palm oil movements affect the u.s soybean market bloomberg reporting this week palm oil surged 
almost 16% about a week ago, and that was the biggest weekly rise for an active contract since 2001. And then this week, started the week kind of slumped, and then it moved higher on Wednesday Oh, what's happening, and then continued the week's downward trend for a weekly loss of about 11%. That wild craziness. We're sitting here at home watching the uh, nearby soybean prices surging up and down in handfuls of cash, like 45, 55 cents at a move. What in the world was driving all of this volatility? Well, it's simply because uh, we have relatively tight supplies of soybeans, so we need a good crop out there this year. We don't have any room or air, so small fluctuations in the weather, which can affect yield, result in much greater moves in price. When you have tight supplies, you have extreme volatility, and that's what we're seeing this year. This is the most volatile market I've seen probably in over 50 years. And you pointed out, Rob, that the next three weeks are crucial to soybeans, that weather, and that's going to keep this volatility going every day we're going to see a sharp move in the soybean prices based upon the weather forecast. One thing that struck me this week was that somebody put DC beans on Twitter. What? Double crop. You know, I bet you with the prices where they were, anybody that had a chance to do double crop beans did. Now, we're going to resurvey the beans. I know, as John mentioned, that's a very good point. But I think there's more double crop beans out there than people expect. Oh, I think so, too. Okay. I think maybe a record double crop. And so, therefore, doesn't that make the weather as we go into late August, early September more crucial than usual? Absolutely. Yep. And the first sign of an early onset of fall, that would really affect the double crop beans more than anything else. So that's my point. One of the other things I wanted to get to before we got off of global movement of some of these food crops, David, you and I were talking about Ukraine, you know, that first shipment coming out of Odessa early in the week and then three more vessels coming out. And a lot of that had to do with both corn and wheat, David, but India running short on wheat, India wheat prices sitting at record highs this week. So the word there is that the country looking to reduce import tariffs to make up for that shortfall, but a lot of grain movement in that part of the world. Yeah, if you look back to India, remember, they were talking restrictions on exports of wheat. You could almost tell that the Indians were facing a shortage of wheat. Plus, the farmers, if you remember last spring, were also taking tasks with the government because of their export tariffs at that point, and they wanted to get a better price for theirs instead of making everybody else pay that tariff and lose the business. So India is an enigma. And, and every time you turn the page on India, you keep saying things that you don't quite understand how they get to that point. But yeah, they do have a problem with their storage over there because it just isn't favoring enough agricultural production at this point, but they're getting smart fast. Thinking of India, David, what country in the world is the largest producer of bananas? I have to go to India for that. The west part of the country is quite tropical. You don't realize that there's a lot of beaches there. It's a beautiful area. And apparently they've decided to grow bananas there. I always go back to Mahatma Gandhi, you know, where they were getting salt out of the ocean back then, way back in the 20s and 30s. It's bananas, folks. See there, you learn something new every day when you listen to Midwest Ag. John, question for you, and that is because we're sneaking up on the end of the marketing year. How much of the remaining unshipped old crop U.S. corn and soybean sales going to be rolled over into new crop here? Well, what have we got? Only about four weeks left in the marketing year. Quite a few, because that always happens especially if they see the new crop coming out with decent supplies. So that remains to be seen, especially soybeans. So the market's going to be watching that. But if they see a decent soybean crop coming on and a good corn crop coming on, you'll see a lot of those sales shifted to new crop. Kind of a bonus question on that for both of you. You know, with all this nonsense this past week with China and Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, question came up, is China going to weaponize the trade of farm goods in retaliation to Pelosi's Taiwan visit, David? 
I think that there is definitely an increase in their activity militarily. They shot off some rockets this week. They were also flying over the uh, airspace of Taiwan. They're definitely making a bunch of noise, and Pelosi, of course, set this off. I think the case is that if they do decide to weaponize anything, it won't be great because they need it very, very badly. I think they're going to continue to do that. But at the same time, I think they'll figure out something, a way to get away with this because they've wanted Taiwan for a very long time. John, what do you think? No, I agree with you, David. They're not going to cut off importing grain. They have to have it. they got to keep the people fed. If the need is there, they're going to buy it. Well, they decided that there was a need this week, David, for a bunch of pork. Man, China buying a bunch of pork this week. Yeah, 31,000 tons total sold. China, 16.8 thousand tons. Mexico is your big buyer, normally 8.6 thousand tons. The Chinese purchase really surprised me because the talk's been lately, you know, with their hog herd having increased. They don't have a need for pork. They got too much pork. But hey, they have a need for our pork. So they bought a bunch of it this week. Good sign here, especially with hogs so tight with the pork marketing moving up as much as it has. All right, we're at that part of the segment because we've got two segments of Coley and Kavanaugh this morning that we turn it over to Professor John Kavanaugh, who brought us that sterling little piece of information this morning about bananas coming out of India. Who knew that? But, John, I'm positive we forgot something, didn't we? Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> the job creation report that came out Friday showed an increase of 528,000 jobs. It just startled the market. This job creation, by the way, it's the largest surge in jobs in that time period in history. The bottom line is that unemployment's gone to 3.5%. Are we running out of people, David? Shock is, is the stock market initially went down on what would appear to be good economic news. And why was that? Because of the fear that the jobs are being created at that rate, we have a problem, and that's going to cause the Fed to increase interest rates even more than has been feared and expected to put the brakes on this thing and try to slow things down, and that could send us back into a recession. The guys are brought to you each week by the Allen County Farm Bureau, and the Farm Bill is being discussed right now in Washington, D.C., both in the House and the Senate. The conversation on both sides of the fence has been a lot more about those midterm elections, because as soon as that happens, the chairmanship for both ag committees could change. And when that changes, the priorities change. But whatever way that goes, the Farm Bureau has been there positioning themselves to support the needs and the wishes of farm families all across the U.S. You want to support that effort? Of course you do. Support your local county Farm Bureau with a membership. That's how you do that. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.